Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Hey, and what about Bishop Wallace last Sunday? Was that fun or what? Oh my goodness. I watched online. Rachel and I were in Southern California. Hey, Southern California is beautiful. I mean, the weather is gorgeous. I can see why people move to Southern California. But there ain't no place like South Louisiana. Come on, somebody. Hey, they may have good weather in California, but the best food in the world is right here in South Louisiana. Come on. And the best people in the world. Come on, talk to me. The best church in the world. What, 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 what? Uh, But we were away last weekend and watched Bishop Wallace, and man, what a fantastic word he brought us. I thought it was such an amazing experience for some of the Oasis Christian family to come join us here at HPC. I think it speaks so well of the unity that we have in the kingdom. Amen? Well, before we get started, I, I read this this past week. I thought this would be a great way to launch us into the topic today. There were three sisters that all lived together. Uh, They were ages 92, 94, and 96. They all lived together in one house. And one night, the 96-year-old, she draws a bath. She puts her foot in the tub, and then she pauses. She yells down to her sisters, was I getting in the bathtub, or was I getting out of the bathtub? Well, the 94-year-old yells back, I don't know, but I'll come up and help. So she starts up the stairs and then pauses. And then she yells, was I going up the stairs or was I coming down the stairs? Well, the 92-year-old sister was sitting at the table just shaking her head, just smiling. She said, when I get old, I sure hope I never get that forgetful. Then she knocks on wood just for good measure. Then she yells, I'll come up and help both of you as soon as I see who's at the door. Oh, come on. How many of you know that's where we're all going? Come on, somebody. You got a few marbles right now, but man, they're slipping by the moment. The title of the message today is simply this, Are You Out of Your Minds? Mm-mm-mm-mm. I want to talk to you about your thoughts. I want to talk to you about what's happening right here in between your ears. You know, there's sometimes a conflict between our head and our heart. You know, we come to church and you sense something. In worship, you you felt the power of God, the presence of God. We sang about the holiness of God. Your heart is alive. But I think the challenge for most of us is right here in our head. Uh, What I'm going to give you today I think is so important. In fact, I've got so much stuff here, I'm not sure I'll be able to finish it all today. In fact, I may have to do a part two on Wednesday night. If you want to catch the rest of it, be back here Wednesday night. But I think what we're talking about today is so important. For some of you, it's the critical piece between victory or defeat, between healing and continual brokenness, between total bondage or ultimate freedom. It's right here what happens in your mind. You know, Jesus comes into our hearts. He forgives us of our sins, but then he gives us the responsibility to renew our minds. 
You know, I think it was A.W. Tozer that once said, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. So think about that. I want you to consider that just for a moment. The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. Consider this. If you have the wrong thoughts about who God is, you'll spend your entire life responding the wrong way to a wrong God. And it's so, and I think the enemy will confuse our heads. He'll place all kinds of strife and animosity, lies, confusion, deceit. He wants your mind to be messed up. I want you to think about this. The, the, the thought, the power of your thought life. I want you to see this progression. It starts with a thought, and then your thoughts produce words, okay? Once you see this, this unfolding, a, a seed of a thought is so powerful, but if you have a certain thought in your mind, it will eventually manifest in words that come out of your mouth. Thoughts produce words, and words create actions. If you think about it, you're going to talk about it. If you think about it and talk about it, you're going to do it. And what you do consistently, your actions build habits. Come on, talk to me. Are you with me? And now this can work for you or it can work against you. How many of you have some habits in your life that you wish you could get rid of? Things that you're trying to break. Why do I always do that? Why do I always say that? Well, maybe it's because you're always thinking that. You with me? Thoughts create words. Words produce actions. Actions build habits. And your habits will establish your character. Think about it. What you do repeatedly, over and over again, these habits are shaping your character, and ultimately, your character is the trajectory for your destiny. Do you see how it all starts with the seed of a thought? Your thoughts are powerful, and if the truth were known, sometimes we underestimate the power of a thought, and that thought begins to grow, and the fruit of our life that it produces is something that we're not happy with, and God's saying, if you want to change your life, you got to change your thinking. Some of us suffer from what I call stinking thinking. Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, I remember years ago, Rachel and I lived in apartments uh, off of Blue Bonnet. And uh, one afternoon, we were cleaning the apartment, and I had to hustle because I needed to get to the church office for a meeting that I was to have. And so I cleaned up all the, 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 the trash. That's my job. My job still to this day is to take out the trash. So I, every bathroom, every bedroom, the kitchen, I got all the trash bags together, and I put it at the front door because on my way, I had to hurry. I had to get to the church for a meeting. I grabbed that bag, and I threw it in my car because the, the dumpster was at the front of the complex. Okay, so I drove a little 1988 Dodge Omni, okay, a little hatchback, a little two-tone gray. The, uh, the lining in the ceiling was coming apart and resting right here on my head. I mean, my door handles were broken, so I had to leave the windows down and kind of do the Dukes of Hazard, the slide in to get in and out. So I, I threw the trash bag in the back of my Omni, and I'm rolling to the church, I, I, I got to the office and d- took care of my meetings, worked three or four hours, jumped back in the car, and I'm like, something smell funny up in here. I had forgotten to throw that trash bag in the dumpster on my way out of the apartment. I left that, that trash baking in my car all afternoon. 
I jump in my car, I'm leaving, I'm thinking, something smells funny up in here. I hear something in the back seat. It was an alley cat. Jumped into my car and was just all up in that garbage. It was a soupy, trashy mess. I don't know who got out of the car faster, that cat or me. But I want you to think about it. If you don't take the trash out, come on now, your whole life will stink. I mean, and some of you have polluted. Man, God's trying to do some amazing things. Man, Jesus is in your heart, but your head is a mess. And if you have a bad thought, it will pollute your life, and it will attract things in you and to you, come on, somebody, that don't belong. The first step to right living is right thinking. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. I want to take a single verse of Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. In this one verse, give you six thoughts. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Mm, come on, hum at me today. Come on, some of you have broken thoughts, busted thoughts. God's saying, fix your thoughts on what is true. Think about things that are honorable. Set your mind on stuff that's right and pure and lovely and admirable. Do you see those six things? I'm gonna read that again. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, what's right and pure, things that are lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, what Paul is giving us today is a filter. Everybody say filter. Okay. Now, when I say the word filter, do you think about your air conditioning unit at the house? Some of you are like, oh man. How many of you, it's been a while since you changed that filter? Yeah, you don't really think about it until stuff breaks. You know, if you don't change your filter... I mean, you spend $20 on a filter. If you don't change your filter, that $20 filter could end up in a $2,500 replacing the whole unit. What's the purpose of a filter? It's to clean the air. It's to get the filth and the debris. It's to catch that stuff so it doesn't circulate in your house. What Paul is giving us here in this one verse is a filter for our thoughts. And I want to do my best to cover as much ground as I can today to give you the specific things that he told us to set our mind on. If you're taking notes, number one, write this down. He says, think about things that are true. Here's a filter for our thoughts. Is what I'm thinking true? Number one, ask yourself this question. Am I living in reality? Is this thought true? Sometimes we can create something that seems true in our minds, but it's not really true in real life. You know what I'm talking about? Think about a lot of the things. Fear, for instance. I think the devil will leverage fear against the believer. He wants you to worry about things that you got no business worried about. He wants you to be afraid. And sometimes we can create a scenario in our mind, and it's true in our minds, but it's not true in real life. Paul says, set your mind on things that are true. Am I living in reality? Is this thought really 
true. Write down the word fear, F-E-A-R, fear. False evidence appearing real. You with me? F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. We think it's true. It It may be reality in our minds, but it's not true in real life. And a buddy of mine that he pastors a church up in northeast Georgia lived out in a, uh, in a farm, kind of in a real country rural area. And he said, Mike, I lived on a, on a gravel road, and our nearest neighbor was a mile down the road. He said, in fact, our neighbor was a pastor who had three daughters. And he said, this pastor was in town one day, and he met uh, an encyclopedia salesman. Okay, now for those of you that are millennials... <laughs> You, you have no idea what an encyclopedia is. Back in the day, before Google, come on somebody. How many of you, maybe you or your parents bought a set of encyclopedias back in the day? Oh yeah, if you were gonna know anything about anything, you had to have a set of Encyclopedia Britannicas. So this pastor's in town and he meets this encyclopedia salesman. Says, man, this is a nice guy. Well, sure, come to my house. They set up a time for this salesman to come and give his presentation. Well, the pastor forgot about the, the meeting, didn't say anything to his daughters, end up having to do a funeral back in town. So this salesman comes to the home of this pastor and he knocks on the door. Well, the girls weren't expecting anybody. They live out in the woods, out in the country. So they ask, who is it? Well, the guy, he had to speak with a voice box machine. So he didn't have a regular, but he had to take, have you seen that? So he's talking in a strange voice. Well, the girls get spooked. They freak out. They start yelling. Well, the salesman on the other side of the door thinks the girls are in trouble. So he tries to get in and open the door to help them. They're thinking, man, we got some psycho guy breaking in the house. So they get on the phone and they call the neighbors, which is a mile down the road. It's my friend. It's his family. They could say, somebody's trying to get in the house. Well, the salesman couldn't get in to rescue the girls, so he goes for help, jumps in his car, and drives to the neighbor down the road. Well, you know, if you have trouble in the country, fellas, what's the first thing you grab? Jeff said, my daddy grabbed the gun because our neighbors were in trouble. So this salesman comes to the the, the door and begins to knock on the door at the same time that Jeff's dad opens the door. And so it looks like he's trying to punch him. So he said, my dad took the butt of that gun and boom, jacked this guy in the jaw, knocked him back. He fell on the hood of his car. My dad put that gun in his face and said, who are you? And the guy tries to reach in his pocket to get his voice box machine. He says, get your hands up. Man, the guy just breaks down and cries. Jeff said, my dad realized, wait, something's not right here. He found out what was going on. He said, my dad felt so bad for this salesman that, man, we invited him in for dinner, fixed him a nice country meal, biscuits and gravy, come on somebody, and we bought not one but two sets of encyclopedias. Now, how many of you know, now, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. The devil will lie to you, and he'll place a thought in your mind, and you think it's true, but it's not. It's a false narrative. Some of you are living under a false narrative. You've heard something for so long. I'm going to tell you what, and I love social media. I think it's a powerful tool, but I want to tell you this. It's a dangerous tool as well. Man, you see people posting stuff and 
<laughs> you think of, man, their life's perfect. Man, look at them. Everything they post, it's like, wow, they're healthy. Some, hey, and you know, we post things, we post our highlights, don't we? We want everybody to say, hey, look at, look at this amazing vegetarian meal that I'm about to eat. Girl, we saw you in the drive-thru at Cane's last week. You cut that slaw and got extra toast. I know. Come on, talk to me. Or they'll make a post like, oh, my amazing husband. I just love him. We're just so in love. Yeah, we saw you fussing and fighting. <laughs> it's a setup. Come on. Like, aren't my kids so perfect? My kids are perfect. And it's so honor roll. And like, man, and you, you look at their life and then you compare it to your life. Come on, somebody. And then you think, man, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? No, no, no. The truth is they're posting their highlights and you're comparing their highlights to your everyday life and you'll never measure up. Come on. Is what I'm thinking true? Come on, talk to me. Am I living in reality? The truth is some of you need to take a break from social media. Hey, I'll be honest. I've had to press pause for some moments because every time I look at social media, I either get jealous or I get judgmental. Can I have an amen from all the honest folks? Y'all looking at me like y'all holy and stuff. See, the devil will plant something in your mind and you think it's true. You think it's real and you'll shape your life around it. Come on, am I talking to anybody? Okay, let me give you another example, okay, because I've seen this. In, in 26 years of ministry, I have seen this. People that at one time would come to church, and, man, God was doing a work in their life, but then they kind of slip out of church, or they begin to go back to old friends. Watch this. When you go back to old friends, you go back to old sins. One subtle compromise after another, and now they're, 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 they're in darkness. They're back in darkness, and, and, and the devil will place this thought in their mind. You can never show your face back in that church again. That's what he'll tell them. Because you know what? They're all judging you. They're talking about you. You won't be welcome in that church. Don't even try to go back. You've messed up. There is no going back. Do you see how the devil will take that? That thought and keep them out of church. Listen, if you've fallen off the wagon, get back up again. This is not a perfect house. Hopefully, this is an authentic house. Man, we're not keepers of the aquarium. Come on, somebody. We are fishers of men. And so if you're broken or if you're bruised, if you're wounded, or maybe you're, you're falling off, brush off the dust. Get back up. Get in the house of God, and God can meet you right where you are. Come on. Can I have a better amen? Boy, I like what we're stepping into today. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Okay, be transformed. Now, there's a difference between being conformed and being transformed. How many of you want to be transformed? You see, culture, media, movies, TV, everything around you is trying to conform you. They want you to think like them, act like them, walk like them, talk like them, do like them. Man, they want you to be a robot, and God says, no, I've created you for something higher. If you're not transformed, you'll be conformed. 
We all want transformation. That means changed, changed from the inside out, a change of heart, a change of desires, a change in our mind. Listen, how do we go from being conformed to transformed? Paul said this, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Right here. You see, the issue is not your heart. I'm going to tell you this. Your heart is in the right place or else you wouldn't be here today. There's something stirring in your heart that longs for more of God. Guess what? Jesus is in there. He's doing a work right here. But now he's saying, listen, you have the responsibility to renew what's happening here. You've got to get your heart and your head in alignment. Can I have a good amen? You see, that's where transformation comes from. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You see, the truth is this. If you want to step into a new reality, you've got to have a new mentality. You can't step into a new reality and carry an old mentality. Don't allow old thoughts to pollute your reality and where God is taking you. Some of you are dragging things from the past. Some of you are reminding God of things that he's already forgotten. He said, no, I've, you've confessed it. I forgave it. I've thrown it into my sea of forgetfulness. Why are you reminding me of something I don't even remember? You see, you bringing it up, but God's already forgotten it. He's saying, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. God's saying, listen, if you want to step into a new reality, you have to have a new mentality. That's a big filter. Is this thought true? Am I living in reality? What have you made real in your mind that isn't true in real life? If it's not true, then don't give any credence to it. Number one, fix your thoughts on things that are true. Number two, write down the word honorable. He says, think about things that are honorable. And the question I have beside that that I think you need to write down is this. Does this thought lift me up or does it pull me down? This thought that's in my head, is it lifting me up? Is it causing me to go higher or is it pulling me down? You see, the word honorable is defined as noble, lofty, majestic, awesome things that lift the mind above the world's dirt and scandal. Research tells us that the average person thinks 80,000 thoughts a day. 80,000 thoughts you will think, and they are random too. How many of you just driving down the road, you get a random thought? And you're like, man, where did that come from? Or how many of you just kind of singing a song, you're like, man, why am I singing that song? Well, it was on the radio 30 seconds ago. You know, are you, you know, you get random crazy thoughts, but each thought that comes in, and listen, for the longest time, I never realized the responsibility that I had when it came to my head. I never did. I just thought, well, whatever thought pops in my head, I guess I'll think about it. You know, and man, let me tell you what, a billboard, advertising, that's why you get, you know, even when you're surfing the internet, pop-up ads, Man, there's all kinds of clickbait that's out there. And, and the enemy of your soul wants you to, hey, think about this. What about this? And, and trying to pull your thoughts in certain directions. And Paul says, fix your thoughts on things that are honorable. In other words, if this thought pulls me up, I need to dwell on that. But if it's pulling me down, I need to discard that. 
Now you can't always help what thought flies into your head, but you can determine how long that thought stays there. Mama used to say it like this, son, it's not a sin for birds to fly over your head, but it is a sin if you let them build a nest. Can I have a better amen? Something random, something crazy. Okay, man, where did that come from? I, I don't know, but is it true, number one, and then number two, is it honorable? Does it lift me up or is it pulling me down? Now, now I want to give you a, a couple things that I, I think can help you. Uh, things that you can meditate on. If you're struggling with negative thoughts, because hear this, Scripture says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Consider that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, or so does he become. In other words, wherever your mind goes, the man will follow. If I were to tell you, okay, in your mind right now, I want you to think about hot, fresh donuts. Baptized in oodles and oodles of sugar. Where are you right now? Oh, yeah, you're at Krispy Kreme right now, aren't you? you are, your mind, you have left church. You out there on Plank Road. And then you're looking to see if the light is on. Come on, somebody. And you see that conveyor belt of donuts, right? And you're thinking, man, put me on that conveyor belt. Come on, somebody. Give me that full body glaze right there. Come on, talk to me. Sugar. Yes, you thought about it. So in your mind, you went there. You think about it long enough, you're going to get in your car and say, you know what? I wonder if the light is on. Some of you are going to leave church today and say, we need a donut. Why? Because where the mind goes, the man follows. Now, if this thought is negative, it's going to pull you down. If it's positive, it's going to lift you up. You say, Mike, how do I think positive thoughts? Let me give you a quick, quick list. First of all, ask yourself this. I want you to do this right now. What are three things that you're thankful for right now? I want you to list, if you're taking notes, write down three things that you are thankful for right now. What are you thankful for? I'll tell you what comes to my mind. I'm thankful for health. I'm thankful that I was able to get out of bed today. Both feet hit the floor. I got dressed. I ate breakfast. I'm thankful for cornflakes. Come on, somebody. God bless cornflakes. I'm thankful for worship. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. It's amazing how when you begin to identify what you're thankful for, you see what's happening? This inventory in your mind, it's lifting your spirit. If you think about things you're grateful for, it will pull you higher. The second thing I want you to consider is this. What are, who are three people that you love the most? Write their names down right now. Who are three people that you love the most? I think about my wife. 23 years, and I'm still her hunk of hunk of burning love. Listen, we, we, we took the kids to a movie the other night. Now, we hardly ever, Rachel and I never went to the movies when we dated, not one time. We never saw one, four years of dating, never went to the movie theater. Isn't that crazy? We, so I could count maybe on both hands the number of times I've been to the movies. We took the kids to see Lion King the other night. So, yeah, it's amazing. Now, they got these full-out reclining chairs. It's crazy. 
I mean, you got to pick your seat. I mean, it's like a like an airplane. You got a ticket that's got this is my seat, and you press a button. You kind of man. And when they got that into the scene of, of of Simba and Nala, and they were kind of reunited, and can you feel the love tonight? Boy, I just felt that just warm kind of come all over me. I leaned over Rachel, just kind of feeling that we were in a moment. Now snuggling with her in the movies over Lion King. And the kids are looking at us like, that's disgusting. It's gross. It's like, hey, how you think you got here? Come on. <laughs> Who do you love the most? What are, what are you most thankful for? Who do you love the most? Now write this down. What are three personal strengths or positive traits that you have? Think about you. Now, what are three strengths in your life? Some of you feel uncomfortable considering what you're good at. Well, I felt it. As soon as I said, what are your strengths? What are you good at? There was something that rose up inside of you that wouldn't allow you to go there. You know why? Because you've been told your whole life everything that's wrong with you. And you've thought about, if I were to ask you, list three things that you're terrible at, you could give me 20. But if I ask three things that you're good at, some of you struggle to identify one. Come on now. You see, listen, did the God who created you send Jesus to die for you so that you could feel rotten about yourself all the time? Mm-mm-mm-mm. What are you good at? Now think about what... What are we thankful for? Who do we love the most? What are our strengths? And then lastly, what are three things that God's word says about you? All right, consider that. Consider, consider. If you were to take these four criteria and begin to identify, Lord, what does your word say? Your word says that I'm valued. Your word says that I am chosen. God, your word says that I am loved. Your word says that I'm anointed. Do you see how when you put your mind on those things, when you're thinking about what's honorable, it lifts you higher? Are you with me? This is so important. We we need to understand the power of our thoughts and be intentional where we place them. Because some of you listening to the enemy and he's sitting on your shoulder and he's whispering in your ear, and what he says in your ear, it's lodged in your head, and God's saying, no, 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 we gotta, we gotta renew this. If you want transformation, you've got to renew this. I wanna ask the band to come up, but let me close this way. Wow, we, we barely made two points. I got six of these. Turn your neighbor and say, I'm coming Wednesday. Oh, man, please. I'm telling you, this is transformational. For some of you, this is the difference between freedom and bondage, between healing and brokenness. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, you need this. Oh, we need We cannot hear enough good teaching on renewing our minds. Joseph. Many of you know the story of Joseph in, in Genesis. He, he was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold as a slave. He served in Potiphar's house. He was framed and falsely accused. He was thrown into prison. He was left in prison to rot. If anybody had a reason to be down in his mind, it was Joseph. 
But yet God saw Joseph in every season of his life. Eventually, Pharaoh has a dream, and you know the story. He can't get anybody to interpret his dream. But there's a Hebrew boy in prison that serves the God who can understand everything. Joseph gets the call. He stands before Pharaoh. He interprets the dream. And immediately, Joseph goes from the prison to the palace like that. I mean, transformation in an instant. After 22 years of misery, hurt, and heartache, his whole life changes in a moment. God begins to bless Joseph. Joseph gets married, and he has two children. One's named Manasseh. And the other was named Ephraim. You say, Mike, why is that important? Joseph called his firstborn son Manasseh. You know what Manasseh means? Manasseh means the Lord has caused me to forget all of my trouble. You see, some of you, you forget the grace of God, but you remember all of your trouble. You need to forget the trouble and just embrace his grace. I'm prophesying over somebody here today. God wants to give you a Manasseh. The Lord has caused me to forget all of my trouble, all of my pain, all of my hurt, all of my hurt. You say, Mike, are you out of your mind? How could I possibly forget that? Some of you are locked up in a prison of pain because you cannot let go of the past. God's saying, oh, if you'll trust me with your future. I got grace to cover your past. Trust me with your future. His first son's name was Manasseh. The Lord has caused me to forget. But then he had a second son. His name was Ephraim. I said, Mike, why is that important? Because Ephraim means the Lord has blessed me and caused me to be fruitful in the land of my suffering. He was in Egypt, but Egypt was not in him. You see, he had suffered, but God had caused him to be fruitful. Ephraim means the Lord has blessed me and prospered me, even in the midst of my suffering. And I'm speaking that over somebody here today. Somebody needs to receive that. Even in the the land of your affliction, God will cause you to prosper and flourish. Well, so story goes, his brothers are reunited with him. His father comes from Canaan because there's famine in the land. They heard there was food down in Egypt. And Joseph just so happens to be the prime minister who's over all the food program. So he's reunited with his dad. And his dad was just like, I I thought I'd never see you again. See, some of you have given up hope. And there's a dream that you've just said goodbye to. You thought you'd never see it again. God's like, wait a second. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm still writing the story. You don't like the chapter that you're in now. God's getting ready to turn the page. He says the story's not over. Jacob is reunited with Joseph, and then he sees Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and he says, bring these boys to me. Now watch this. I've never preached a sermon on this, but I'm telling you, there is something in this message right here. He says, I claim these boys as my own. They're not just my grandsons, they're my sons. And he says, I want to pray a blessing over them. So Joseph brings Manasseh and Ephraim before his father. And Jacob extends his hands to pray a blessing over them. And you know what he does? He crosses his arms. He crossed his arms. And, And Joseph looks at this and says, whoa, wait, no, no, no. 
that your right hand is supposed to go on my oldest son and your left hand on his younger brother. You see, the right hand was the hand of authority, the hand of blessing. Manasseh was the firstborn. He was supposed to have the, 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 the favored blessing. But Jacob crossed his arms. He said, Joseph, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. I, I know what I'm doing. I may be old, but I'm not confused. Come on, somebody. Listen, God has not forgotten you. When you were not in line to receive a blessing, God crosses his arms. He says, I have you. I see you. I know you. When there were other people that were more talented, when they were better skilled, they had better capacity, better opportunity, God says, no, 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 I'm crossing my arms. You see, listen, you need to think about things like this. You need to set your mind in a place of victory and you'll end up with victory. Too many of you have have let your mind rest in a place of defeat and you wonder why you struggle to be victorious. Listen, let's shift gears in our minds. How many have received that today? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.